Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Flight attendants at Southwest to revote on a tentative contract agreement. Why? Because of a data leak. Meanwhile, another labor law violation at Starbucks. And today on the show, the latest from the News Guild and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters in Minnesota. Welcome to the Monday, December 18th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. John Schloiss will be our first guest on the show today. No stranger to America's Workforce. He serves as president of the News Guild, which is affiliated with the Communication Workers of America. John's been president since 2019, and since then, more than seven thousand workers from 154 workplaces have unionized with the guild and he's going to talk about organizing by the way john also serves as a vice president on the cwa executive board now speaking of organizing this year almost 1400 workers joined the news guild from 37 workplaces including a wonderful publication i always go to propublica and uh, nonprofit workers at the Natural Resource Defense Council. And I'll tell you, there's a few. I mean, there's some of these workplaces. There's four or five people with the Natural Resource Defense Council. That was 375 people. So we'll talk about the wild year of organizing, why that's going on, and lots of strikes. Lots of strikes. We're talking 36 strikes so far in 2023. Now, most of them half day, one day, or longer. Sadly, there's a strike that's been going on in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette since October of last year. In fact, uh, John is in Pittsburgh today. He'll give us an update of what's going on there. John is also going to talk about artificial intelligence, and there's a lot to discuss in this arena. Recently, the Associated Press inked a deal with OpenAI Chat GPT, very popular, very popular uh, forum there. Uh, and apparently they wouldn't share the details with journalists and resisted agreeing to protections for jobs in the contract with workers at the Associated Press. There's an update there. Also, Gannett, large chain here, has used AI to generate bogus product reviews. We'll talk about that. John, by the way, spoke at a forum held in Washington by uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on this. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the effect of these giant hedge funds that have been gobbling up newspapers and other places in America, shedding workers, stripping them down to, to nothing so they can make more money. So John Schloiss will be our first guest on the show. Later in the show, we're going to go to the state of Minnesota and join Eric Skoog, Eric is president of Teamsters Local 320. Website is TeamstersLocal320.org. Eric is a longtime Teamster going back almost 30 years. He started his career in the Teamsters in Local 320 as a freight driver. And then in 2009, he went over to a Local 320, a bigger union. They have about 11,000 members there. And uh, last year, 
Last year, he was appointed and then elected president of 320. Good news out of Mound, Minnesota, which is just outside Minneapolis. The Teamsters with the Department of Public Works in that city voted overwhelmingly to ratify a new three-year contract. We're talking about base wage increases anywhere from 5 to $8 per hour over the next 36 months. That's, uh, that's Teamster power, no doubt about that. Eric Skoog will be joining us as our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. $17 billion in assets under advisement, serving the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. And you can find more at boydwatterson.com. This is a bizarre story here. Southwest Airlines flight attendants will be re-voting on a contract after the union raised alarms about the service it uses to count the ballots. According to a live stream posted to Transport Workers Local 556, their Facebook page, leaders inform members of a data leak that undermined the integrity of the voting results of a tentative agreement that Southwest and the union reached last week. It was announced that union members had struck down a deal that would have ended five years at the bargaining table. The flight attendants voted on the agreement from November 16th through December 8th. The vendor, True Ballot, admitted to the executive board, the board of election, and the attorneys for TWU 556 that their system was not secured thus leaving it open to vulnerabilities. That, according to Lynn Montgomery, president of the local. Because of this, the Board of Election was not able to certify the ratification vote, and True Ballot could not assure us there were no other compromises to the system. Montgomery said the union will rerun the election with a trusted vendor. Members will have opportunities to ask questions, according to the union. John Seibel, president of True Ballot, said the results were accurate and there were no issues with the voting process. He explained that once voting has concluded, the system shuts off. After voting had closed, there was supposed to be a security wall on the results and membership information. Instead, instead an unknown person accessed a page that had members' names, emails, and whether or not they voted. Seibel said he's accepting responsibility for that oversight. It's terrible, he said. It's awful, but it did not compromise the integrity of the election. Well, the first vote with True Ballot had 95% of eligible flight attendants voting, with 36% voting for the contract, 64% against. Montgomery said members have asked if there can be improvements made to the tentative agreement, since many were displeased with different aspects of it. The contract, according to the union, would have given flight attendants at Southwest a 20% raise to start off the new year. In June, the union's executive board voted down a tentative agreement, leaving the airline and the union in mediation until an agreement was reached. The company and the union are still trying to figure out if they need to present a new contract offer to flight attendants. Montgomery said the honest answer is right now we just don't know. She said a meeting was scheduled for this week, and the company and legal counsel will be involved in it. Boy, that is an interesting story there. 
Uh, labor judge, a National Labor Relations Board judge, found that Starbucks violated labor law when a manager in a Salt Lake City store unlawfully questioned an employee about union support among the staff and revoked permission to display a large union poster. The judge determined that the manager's statements asking what changes could be made to prevent unionization and questioning whether the staff hated her for unionizing violated the National Labor Relations Act by chilling worker unionization efforts. The judge also found Starbucks in violation of the NLRA for ordering the removal of a large union poster from the store's community board which contained information about the collective bargaining process, union proposals, and anti-union messages. The judge emphasized that an employer cannot, cannot selectively enforce rules in response to union activities and ordered Starbucks to cease such practices immediately. By the way, the Salt Lake City store workers voted to be represented by Starbucks Workers United in June of last year. So... There's another labor law violation for Starbucks. It's got to be in the hundreds by now. And and good news here, as the year comes to an end, the Wall Street Journal, which is probably one of the most conservative publications around, owned by the Murdoch family, they published an article highlighting some of the biggest labor victories of 2023, which summarizes the gains for auto workers, Hollywood actors, Writers, airline pilots, UPS workers, and Las Vegas casino workers. All that they achieved this year. And that's all in the Wall Street Journal. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to link up with John Schloys, president of the News Guild. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a Local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. 
America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Melissa Cropper, president of the Ohio Federation, will be joining us tomorrow. Right now, though, let's go to line number one. Welcome a dear friend. Had him on many, many times, and I'll tell you, he's been very active since he took over the presidency of the News Guild in uh, 2019. John Schloys is his name, and uh, in fact, he's in Pittsburgh today. One of the uh, one of the problems is the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. We'll talk about that. A lot of strikes. So, John, you you tabulated it here. I was looking at the the notes for today's show. 36 strikes so far this year, and we're not done with the year yet. Half day, one day. What's going on here, Mr. Schloys? I, I guess there's a lot of unrest, especially uh, in the journalistic community. Talk to me about it. Yeah, it's it's absolutely wild flash. Um, you know, our union was founded in 1933, so 90 years ago, um, and we have never seen collective action like this year. Uh, we're, as you said, 36 strikes and counting. Um, just last week, we had uh, we had two strikes. We had one uh, at a, an eleven newspaper group uh, called the Southern California News Group. They're owned by hedge fund Alden Global Capital, but we had about uh, oh, no. two hundred plus members there. Yeah, company is refusing uh, decent wages, uh, refusing to pay people enough to actually live in in their communities in Southern California, which has gotten really expensive. Um, folks have to do other jobs. It's just a disgrace. And then also last week. Uh, we had a one-day strike at Law 360, which is owned by uh, mega-rich corporation LexisNexis, which does a lot of research. Uh, they're also um, refusing really basic things like improving the sick time for workers. Right now, they're they're only they only get three days a year for sick time. They're also refusing to provide Juneteenth. So. Uh, those folks uh, combined with the Washington Post, which hasn't been on strike in 50 years, went on a one-day strike a couple weeks ago. Uh, tech workers at the New York Times Insider was an open-ended strike, and obviously we're still on strike trying to hold the employer to account here in Pittsburgh. That's amazing. Yeah, let, if, let, let's let's talk about Pittsburgh right now. That strike started, what was it, like uh, fall of last year in and uh, you and I have talked about this in previous shows. It's been really ugly. A lot of people have just left altogether. Did they bring in scabs as well over in Pittsburgh? They did. They, they, they brought in scabs immediately, um, which is just a disgrace. I mean, especially in an, in an industry like journalism, you know, you're supposed to have integrity, and you're supposed to make sure that when, you out, when you're out there reporting stories, you minimize harm. These are the ethical standards of journalists. And to be a scab and to be an editor who's a scab paper, right Right now the editor is actually this guy, Stan Wisnowski, who was run out of the Philadelphia Inquirer. So he had to haul his ass all the way over to Pittsburgh from Philly uh, with his tail between his legs. And so he's the scab editor of the Post-Gazette, and he's been begging and pleading different people to join. And a lot of people are just coming out of journalism school. They don't really understand that they're destroying their reputation for the rest of their careers. But they have, you know, but our folks continue uh, to remain hopeful. They continue to push for a, a resolution. 
the, the solution here is probably the simplest demands we have at any bargaining table. It is for the company to follow federal law, to follow a judge's order that they actually bargain in good faith, and, um, and separately to provide affordable health insurance. Seems, seems easy to me, but the company is, is continuing to, to resist. And John, what about the community? How's the community responding to this? And I'm just wondering, are they able to cover what needs to be covered in the Pittsburgh general area? No. I mean, the, the embarrassing thing about being a scab journalist or being a scab publication is uh, any, any uh, politician, any community member with any integrity and, and respect will refuse to talk to you. You're labeled permanently as someone that they will not talk to. So... The Post-Gazette can't land an interview with Senator Fetterman or Senator Casey or the local members of Congress, Chris Deluzio, Summer Lee. Uh, those folks won't talk. Neither will the mayor of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is an extremely union-friendly town, and, uh, and so the Post-Gazette's damaged its reputation forever. Uh, they're sticking with it. In fact, actually, uh, in a couple of days, we've got a bake sale that the uh, the folks at the steel workers are, are running to raise money for the strikers. So I'm in town to help make some stuff for the bake sale. There you go. Yeah. Steel workers are a good bunch there. And of course they're located right in uh, downtown Pittsburgh. Now th- that strike's been going on for, for, like I said, well over a year now, for the most part, when journalists go on strike, it may be a half day or one day or two days. Can you talk about the strategy there? Is that is that primarily to get some national attention on the issues or what? Yeah, um, I think it's 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 you know there's a couple things right on a strategy for the employer. It's meant to to really put pressure on them and show them like this is what happens when you know. 300 people at Law 360 walk out. This is what happens when 300 people at Business Insider. They walked out, actually, for 13 days. But you're right. The, the majority of strikes that we've had uh, this year have been one day. We did this at two dozen newspapers earlier this year, all in one company. That's Gannett. Gannett's been uh, just run into the ground by really poor management. Um, these are local newspapers all across the country. Um, in the Indy Star, the Milwaukee Journal, and all those two publications are part of the strike. But we got folks in... Palm Springs, out in Arizona and Phoenix, Austin, Texas, up in New Jersey. Um, these are local newspapers where the company is refusing to pay people enough uh, to, to have one job. And we've got members across Gannett who have to sell their platelets to make money. We have them going to food banks uh, to, to get food for their families. It's, it's really embarrassing. But every single one of these 36 strikes has been uh, with journalists, which, like I said, just even three years ago, we didn't have any one-day strikes. So there's a, a, a chance to put pressure on the employer, which is really great, and show them this is what it looks like to not have news on this particular day. Um, but it also shows that there's a willingness for journalists who are extremely civic-minded, right? Like Folks don't get into this to make money uh, and become super wealthy. They get into it because they care about telling stories of their community. So it's, it's actually like a pretty impressive move to show that these types of workers like nurses or teachers, right, who have a very, uh, very important base that they take care of, either patients or their, or their students. Journalists also take care of their community, and, uh, and it's a big deal for them to, to, to stop working. It shows that there's a, an increased militance for collective action. If you don't mind, I want to zero in on the Washington Post strike. There were like 700 workers there yeah. that started a 24-hour unfair labor practice strike over the company's refusal to bargain in good faith. And apparently, 
that they've been at it for like 18 months. So they figured, well, we got to do something here to get their attention. Uh, what concerns me is, is, you know, who owns the Washington Post now, Mr. Jeffrey Bezos of Amazon, who is refusing the union at all Amazon locations. We know that that's another story there. But I'm wondering what happened after they walked out for that one day there, uh, John? Well, we went back into bargaining in, in uh, last week, uh, and the company did move on some of its just ridiculous tactics. Now, Jeff Bezos and the Washington Post management have been using uh, law firm Jones Day, uh, which is a pretty vicious anti-union law firm. It also is a law firm that is directly targeted journalists. I don't know how any you know self-respecting media organization could use them, um, but the the like I said, 750 people walked out. This is the first strike we've had uh, at the Washington Post since the 1970s, since we had a, a really big strike there when it was owned by the Graham family. The company moved a, a bit in bargaining, which was which was good to hear and good to see. Um, and, you know, I think it really it, it, it shook them because <laughs> back in 2016, you know, this is an open shop, um, and in 2016, we had 36% of the Washington Post paying dues being active in their, in their union. Uh, we're now up to more than 75%, and that's basically the number that participated in the strike. So I think management is, is quaking a bit and, and concerned. This also follows uh, years of a really bad publisher, Fred Ryan, who was, who was ousted. And uh, there was you know, kind of constant staff revolt. Uh, and, you know, whenever they'd have a group meeting, you know, about some new policy or some new change or Fred Ryan would be doling out, here's more layoffs. Journalists were unafraid to, in mm -hmm. town halls with the publisher, hold them to account, ask a lot of questions, put them under pressure. Uh, and, and there's been kind of a staff revolt going on there now for several years. And the company needs to get back on track. And Bezos, who's, you know, one of the richest men in the world, needs to invest. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So you went from 36% to 75% union representation over what time period? What was that? What was About that? Eight, John? Yeah. Eight, seven or eight years. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Y you mentioned Jones day. I'm very familiar with Jones day. You know, they're, they're uh, based in Cleveland, Ohio. They have offices around the entire world. They're also Donald Trump's law firm. They used uh, mm -hmm. the attorneys there to kind of uh, vet the uh, judges, a lot of the federal judges and Supreme Court ju judges, I might add. So, yeah, I'm not surprised, not surprised by that at all. So uh, anything here uh, on the horizon that maybe a next target? I know it's toward the end of the year. Things are slowing down a little bit. But uh, is any, any, any other strike action that may happen here in the next couple of weeks, John? Um, you know, <laughs> not totally. I'm going to leave, leave employers guessing. Uh, but I also think right now we're, we're just kind of flipped into the holiday stream, right? So we probably won't have anything else for the, this year. But 36, you know, last year we had 21 strikes. This year we've uh -huh. got 36. Three years ago we had zero. So, I'm, you know, now I'm looking for next year. And I think we've seen that, like, especially journalists who work for hedge fund-owned outlets or really large firms that aren't paying enough, um, mm -hmm. that's where we're going to see a lot more activity if the companies don't agree. 36 strikes in one year. And we're not done yet. That's, that's incredible. John Schloiss joining us on our live line right now. He is president of the News Guild, affiliated with the Communication Workers of America, newsguild.org. Good news, lots of organizing. Also, we're going to delve into artificial intelligence. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Teamsters Local 320, 
in the great state of Minnesota. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's liuna.org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit SurveyAndBalladSystems.com to learn more. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, and we're getting a lot of them, so thank you. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ulagency.org. Let's rejoin John Schloys on behalf of the News Guild, CWA. They affiliated with the CWA back in 1995. Website is newsguild.org. We talked about the record amount of strikes this year. 36 strikes. Let's talk about organizing. And I saw the list that you sent me. Thank you very much. Uh, 1,370 workers joined the News Guild from 37 workplaces, including ProPublica. Boy, I love what they do there at ProPublica. And uh, the nonprofit workers at the Natural Resource Defense Council. That was a big win for you. What, 375 members added to the News Guild from the Natural Resource Defense Council. So talk to me about what's going on. Obviously, the climate for organizing is good, um, and I know you're in the middle of it all. So uh, 
you got to feel pretty good about this, John, don't you? Uh, I feel I feel humbled and really amazed. When I was on the picket line last week in New York City talking with our folks at Law 360, uh, they unionized back in August of 2016, and I had looked up the number of how many people had unionized, myself included, uh, with the News Guild since Law 360 in 2016, and the number was 10,000 people, which really kind of blew my mind. And last year, as you said, was more than 1,300 people. Um, the News Guild, we represent, you know, amazing, amazing journalists uh, at, at publications really big, small, digital only, print focused, uh, you name it. Uh, we also represent a ton of folks who um, uh, work in nonprofits. So like you said, the National Regional, National Regional Resource Defense Council, um, ACLU affiliates all across the, the country, um, and those folks are, are amazing activists too. Very similar, similar issues to a lot of journalists. You know, they're they're mission oriented. Uh, they're focused on you know whatever the uh, the issue is that the, the nonprofits are working on. So if maybe it's about the environment. Well, then they're focused and passionate about the environment. And the boss uses the similar tactics. Well, you know, uh, if you unionize, um, that means we're going to have less money <laughs> to help save the environment. They use the right. same kind of tactics and. Um, but they're still organizing in, in, in droves because they know that they're stronger together. I see the uh, ACLU's on the list. You got, uh, I see District 12 in Washington. There's one in Kentucky. There's one in Louisiana. Uh, I think that's quite fascinating, too, especially in the, the right-to-work states. We're seeing a lot going on in, in right-to-work states. But uh, all together, and I tell you, pat yourself on the back, brother. Uh, I was reading earlier, since you took over as president, more than 7,000 workers from 154 workplaces have unionized with the Guild. That's pretty darn good, especially in this uh, crazy environment here of cost-cutting and fighting these, uh, these hedge firms. I want to, if we have time, I'd like to get into that a little bit more. That all, You and I have talked about this Alden Global Capital Management. and They're basically, they just hollow out a lot of these newspapers and uh, that's why they're going on strike. I mean, it, it, that, that is a big problem. But in the meantime, I, I know you want to talk about artificial intelligence and uh, this is scary, John. Uh, yeah. The Associated Press inked a deal with OpenAI Chat GPT, but won't share the details with journalists and have resisted agreeing to protections for jobs. So... Are we going to have like computers write the news? And boy, this—it's scary. It's really scary. I mean, there's some good aspects of AI. This is not one of them. Talk to me about this. Yeah, well, there's actually a little bit of an update there. We seem to have, have reached an agreement, uh, really, just in the last like uh, uh, handful of days. Uh, and I just found out about this. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a better agreement than in other places around AI to make sure that folks cannot lose their jobs based on AI. But there's still a ton of concern. And namely, you know, the lack of transparency with this deal still is very real. And, you know, you, you, you talk to journalists and you say, well, we've weak this deal, but we're not going to tell you the specifics. Ah, it kind of sets them on fire, right? They want to know specifically what's in that deal. And so they inked it with OpenAI. They're the maker of Chatbot ChatGPT, where you can go right now and say, write a story about AI replacing journalists at you know, newspaper XYZ, and it will crank out a fake story all full of fake quotes for you. 
Um, it's going to really, and it's already started to do this, like allow the spread of misinformation and disinformation by a lot of uh, unsavory characters and, and groups. That's going to be a real problem that we're going to be dealing with uh, more aggressively as we head into next year's election year. But um, additionally, um, with AP, the concern is that, you know, if, if, if journalists write a story, so, you know, they're covering, you know, whatever their beat is, they're, they're writing a story, um, one of the things they do uh, towards the end, or they work with their editor to do it, is to write these, like, uh, shorter summaries. Like, they might be 100 words that are just the summary of the story that they wrote. So AP is maybe looking at, like, trying to, like, replace that task with AI, which may work, but also puts a lot of people really concerned because anything created in, in AI, it's, it's, it's not trackable, right? You can't say this is how it came up with this specific grouping of words, right? You can't mm -hmm. actually go back into the system and look in there and see, why did it order it this way? Why did it pull that information out? They can't even tell you how they do that. It's, it's just linear algebra and a lot of computation. It's, you know, autocorrect and uh, word suggestion on steroids. So if they pull like a quote, artificial intelligence has a quote, I mean, they just find that quote somewhere on the Internet, but there's no attribution for that quote? I, this is a part I don't understand. Yeah, well, so, you know, the makers of, of ChatGPT, OpenAI, and, and Google has done this too, and other groups are doing this, they basically went out and scraped essentially the entire Internet, which, you know, for your listeners, folks should know is, is a pretty scary and sad and deranged place. Um, right. That, yeah. <laughs> That's another show. That's <laughs> another that's a whole other show. That all goes into a big database, right? That they've got a huge database of, of the stuff that they've scraped. And then ChatGPT basically works uh, in text prediction. Uh, so it's a large language model. And what it does is it tries to predict and uh, guess just probability-wise, you know, what would be the next most likely word. And then after that word and that sentence that it creates, what's the next likely sentence, and then what's the next likely thing? So it's going to be based off of its training material, and training material is inherently got bias, right? I mean, the internet, as I said, a deranged place, there is a lot of deranged stuff out on the internet that is not factual, not accurate, uh, and serves a particular purpose by the folks who are putting it out there. We should point out that Gannett, which is a huge owner of uh, newspapers, they used AI to generate bogus product reviews, as has Sports Illustrated. Now, did they get in trouble I mean, when they were when they when this was disclosed because of what they did? Well, their reputation was took a real hit. Um, you know, and kudos to to the journalists at Gannett for revealing this because they were the ones who were sounding the alarm. Uh, it started over at uh, Gannett has a product review website called Reviewed. And those folks unionized actually earlier this year. They actually went on a two-day uh, strike earlier this year. Amazing, amazing people. And they spend a lot of time, you know, taking a device, like say it's a flat-screen TV, uh, and getting different flat-screen TVs and then really putting them through the test to, to decide, like, what's the best flat-screen TV that we should recommend after a lot of thorough testing? Well, um, Gannett, which owns Reviewed, right? They uh, they they hired an outside firm to to create some posts, and the posts read something like this: uh, There are a lot of factors to consider when buying a scuba mask. Some of them you might want to uh, look at. 
Number one, you know, does it does it fit your face well? Number two, it it read just like something that was created by a large language model like ChatGPT. Now Gannett uh, got embarrassed by this after the journalists went public with it. They denied that it was AI. They denied having any knowledge of it, but it was very clearly AI, and uh, they took a beating online. Now there was a forum on artificial intelligence recently, which was held by the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. I think this is the same forum, and we talked about this last week with the uh, with Matt Biggs. Matt's the uh, president of the International Federation of Professional Technical Engineers. He was concerned about AI being used for national security. I'm like, that. Mm-hmm. please don't do this. Don't do this kind of thing. Uh, how was, in your opinion, how was that forum? I mean, were the right questions asked? Uh, how did you leave that forum? Yeah, so it's been kind of interesting. I think there's been 10 or so forums uh, that uh, has been brought together on the Senate side in a bipartisan way covering kind of different elements. So I was in the copyright, intellectual property, and transparency forum. Um, and I was there alongside uh, the leaders of SAG-AFTRA and IATSE. Now, uh, it was really good to be in the company with them, uh, especially when we had folks from the Motion Pictures of America uh, on one side who were saying, we don't want to give up our our right to full body scan an actor and then use them repeatedly and not pay them. Like, that's basically what they said. They were claiming that was a First Amendment right that the Motion Pictures of America had. It was wild wild to watch, but really good pushback by SAG-AFTRA, you know, who went on strike for a long time trying to Mm -hmm. make sure that they got a good deal so that uh, companies couldn't just full body scan everyone without their permission. And thankfully they won that. Um, But um, yeah, it was, uh, I was also there on on the, you know, alongside the folks who represent the publishers. Now we actually pretty much agree with the publishers uh, on a lot of this. We don't agree when Gannett uses AI. We don't agree when Sports Illustrated uses AI. Uh, especially to replace the work and create really bad uh, content. They're not even stories. But, you know, we are very concerned, and we were able to elevate this. You know, me talking about the loss of 30,000 journalists in the last decade, and the publishers also talking about the fact that they're, you know, the, all the all of their websites are just being, you know, fully copied by, by Google, by OpenAI, and, you know, they're not getting paid for them, which means that the journalists aren't getting compensated for it. Right. Very sad. Well, I'm going to button it up here, but uh, I want to go back to Alden Global Capital, and you call them a vulture, a vulture hedge fund, not a venture capitalist here, a vulture hedge fund. They've destroyed so many uh, newsrooms in America, but I did not realize that they're also, they've been buying up and shutting down old bus stations, the Greyhound bus stations, and they've also become slumlords at mobile home parks. They buy the mobile home park, raise the uh, the fees, hurting who? Poor people. I mean, it's just amazing what uh, what's going on here. Do you see, um, has that kind of slowed this year, um, especially with all the organizing going on? Are they still at it? And what do you, what do you see for, for 2024 in that regard? They are still at it, you know, and they've been in this space for, for just over 10 years, you know, when they, they purchased and gobbled up the Denver Post about 10 or 11 years ago. And I think our initial thought was that they were going to um, not spend a lot of time here, basically buy up uh, newspapers, sell off the real estate, extract all the cash, then leave these, you know, these husks of great institutions on the side of the road. Um, but they're sticking around. You know, they bought four newspapers. They bought the Time Shamrock Company in, in central Pennsylvania. That includes included the, the newspaper of the president's hometown in Scranton, but also Wilkes-Barre Hazleton. 
Um, they immediately came in, offered buyouts as they do, really tried to cut staff. Um, and they're taking all the money that they're, they're extracting out of newspapers and they're kind of replicating it, doing things like buying Greyhound stations, which are typically in a lot of cities, they're centrally located, so it's really high valuable real estate. Mm-hmm. You're shutting them down. Um, that's impacting working class people. And then you've got them buying mobile home parks across, um, across the country and doing things like raising the rent or shutting off the water um, and really, really hurting uh, folks. So they're, they're just in this, this spiral of let's screw over working class people. Let's take away their community newspaper uh, and then we can do other stuff in their community uh, and there won't be any journalists to cover it. Yeah, they skirt the lawn. It's downright shameful. It really is. I'm, I just wish that somebody in Congress would put the brakes on that, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. That That's a difficult task, but one that needs to be uh, taken on, no doubt. John Schloys, president of the News Guild, CWA, newsguild.org. Great conversation today, John. And good luck to you in Pittsburgh on the, the Post-Gazette and all that. And uh, we'll talk in the new year, okay, brother? Sounds great. Happy holidays, Flash, and solidarity forever, man. This is a this is a banger year for, for the working class of America. Amen to that. Eric Skoog is the president of Teamsters Local 320 in Minnesota. He'll be coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to our next guest, I want to do a shout out here 
For our friends at the Alliance for American Manufacturing, as you know, Christmas one week from today. So if you have an opportunity to go online, and I know a lot of people do that. Everybody's shopping online. Go to AmericanManufacturing.org, AmericanManufacturing.org. They have their uh, Made in America holiday gift guide. So act quickly because you want to make sure it gets shipped in time. Products from all 50 states, including D.C. and Puerto Rico. So do check that out. All right, let's go to uh, Duluth, Minnesota right now. And joining us on line number two is a newcomer to the show. We always appreciate more and more people coming to America's workforce. And joining us is Eric Skoog. Eric is with Teamsters Local 320, longtime Teamster, going back uh, 26-plus years. And he started in another local, Local 120, as a freight driver. Erica, we we're talking off the air here. I, I guess you, you've done it all. You've freight organizing. <laughs> you're now you're now president of uh, of three twenty, and uh, and there's a lot of people in three twenty. I might add eleven thousand under a collective bargaining agreement. So talk to me a little bit about your uh, path here to uh, to the presidency of three twenty. Is this something Teamsters <laughs> in your family? Let, let let's get into that. Go ahead. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I, as you said, Teamsters family, you know, you have the blood family, and then, and then honestly, I've always looked at the Teamsters as, as my own family anyways. Um, you know, my dad worked on the freight docks back in the 60s and 70s and, and set that bar for me uh, coming out of high school, saying, you know, buddy, you don't need to go to college. Uh, just get a good Teamster freight job, you know, get a good union job, have a pension, have health care for your family. And, and uh, coming out of high school, that, that's that's pretty much literally what I did after a few years um, of kind of bouncing around. And, and yeah, I drove, uh, worked at a freight dock, and then uh, an opening came um, uh, for a trucking company called USF Holland. And I went to work over there, and um, right away, you know, I, I just thought, well, if this is going to be my lot in life, I want to be active. You know, I want to make sure that I know what's going on within my union. Um, you know, I was a proud Deemster, still a proud Deemster. Um, heck, I, I always look back and, you know, those, those kind of satin jackets, you know, those kind of black or, or blue satin jackets with the yellow cuffs and the big Teamster logo, that was us, and uh, just loved it. And you know, ran for a union steward and um, was the steward of about, there's about 200 people total within uh, the, the trucking company I worked for, um, but on the dock I think we had about 145, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. Now you, you eventually went over to 320. Why, why was that? What, what happened there? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, uh, you know, just kind of uh, opportunities. Um, you know, I was the, I was an organizer, an organizing director over at Local 120, and that was, you know, that was where I cut my teeth, obviously, in the, in the Teamsters, my, my, that's the local my dad was with, my brother. I actually had two brothers at the time that were members of, of Local 120, and I had an opportunity over in the public sector at Local 320, uh, a larger local union, a better opportunity. Um, so I went over there and became the special projects director, and, um you know, that, that title kind of changed from, from there and, and to a business agent and, you know, been a business agent since, oh gosh, probably 2011 ish, I guess, uh, with local 320 and, um, recording secretary. And then now about a year, a little over a year ago, president, uh, just elected this last year as president and yeah. Well, let's delve into the latest contract here. And this is, I guess, uh, just outside uh, Minneapolis. It's called the mound, Minnesota. And these are workers at the Department of Public Works in the city of Mound who have voted overwhelmingly to ratify a new three-year contract. So talk to me about that process. How difficult was this? I know there's a, 
there's a lot of bargaining going on right now. And this has been a pretty good year for the Teamsters with the with the UPS deal. So uh, what's the story there, yeah. Rob, Eric? Yeah, no, I'll tell you what. I, you know, the one thing that, that I enjoy about being a Teamster is, you know, we've got we've got a colorful past, right? And, and we're, you know, we're an organization that even with our colorful past, um, you know, we we don't take a lot of guff. And, and our members, our members have a high expectation and, you know, and, 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 you know, I believe what's different from, from the Teamsters, from other organizations or, or associations and, or, you know, unions for that matter is, is we're all member driven and, and our members, you know, when I, when I took this bargaining unit over, actually it was, it was a year ago, uh, when my, with my transition and I live in Northern Minnesota and this group is, you know, about two hours and 40 minutes from me and, you know, around Lake Minnetonka, kind of an affluent area. Um, and these guys, they were tough right from the get go, you know, saying that this is what we want. This is what we demand. Um, you know, they had a high expectations as union members should. And, um, you know, we, we, right from the get go, we started uh, collecting, um, uh, wage study. We did a wage study from the surrounding communities and not just the surrounding communities, but the ones that actually in the public sector and the way that cities offer it. Uh, they have their own comparables. So when, when they match themselves up internally, whether it's for wages or they just match each other against against one another, we can use that as leverage to say, well, gosh, uh, employer A, B, and C over here pay this amount. Um, you know, you've been cited in the paper that you want to be, you know, above them or you want to be, you know, right around them. It doesn't always work to our favor. Um, you know, some, some communities, and I, I'm actually struggling with the community right now, uh, exactly that same way, which we've already taken a strike vote on, but, uh, but with Mound, you know, our guys uh, and our crew there uh, held my feet to the fire and got, got heated a few times with the membership and, and myself. But you know what? That, that, that's good. That, that, brings, that brings, you know, some smoke, some, some friction, and the employers saw that. But we also had a perfect storm, too. Um, we had a situation where the city administrator, he, he was outgoing. Uh, he was retiring. Um, we had an HR, a new HR person, you know, coming in. And, and all of us, you know, our group knew that if we, if we cut right to the basic tasks that we needed to, and, and sometimes people go into negotiations and they got all this fluff, they got all this miscellaneous BS that, that it's, it's important, but sometimes you really got to cut the fat and you got to focus in on, on, and be laser focused in on what it's going to take to get the job done and what, what, it, what you need to get the done. And that's what we did. Um, and our, our, once again, our crew was focused. We provided them. We went back to the table, I think, four times with the city. Uh, and the last time, the city administrator said, guys, I, I've gone to bat every time. I don't think there's anything more here, but I'll do my best. And, and he came back and didn't quite meet, meet where we wanted to be. But our, our crew looked at it, and they said that that was fair. And obviously, we, we got the, the vote to say that was fair. Well, I was reading some of the numbers here. Basic uh, wage increases from 5 to nearly $8 per hour. That's yeah. over the next uh, 36 months. And then over the length of the contract, this one really got me, base wages will increase 19% for maintenance workers, 22% for uh, lead workers. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's yeah. a pretty good deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I, you know, I'll tell you, there's, there's defining moments in, in, in people's careers, I think, you know, and, and gosh, I remember going back probably eight years ago, a little, just a little community up, uh, an iron range up here in northern Minnesota, and, and, and I got a dollar thirty, dollar thirty, dollar thirty, and and man, I just I thought I was, you know, that was great. And then you look at this, but you know what what, what happens sometimes in public sector, you know, you always hear the jokes of you know how many, you know, how many public works does it hold a, sh- uh, you know, to, to hold a shovel and all this kind of stuff, and 
you know, these these folks, you know, they, they get up early in the morning. They're out there. They're plowing the streets. And, you know, northern Minnesota, we have snow. Um, you know, plowing the streets, and they're cold. They're, they're, they're in the mud. They're in the slop. These folks deserve it. And uh, that's some huge money. I agree. Well, let's let's consider where you are. You're in Minnesota. <laughs> There's a lot of snow in the state of Minnesota, right. and people want. And you know what? When the snow comes down, they still have to work. They still have to use those roads. They want to make sure those roads are taken care of. So yeah, I get it. So that's good. So um, what what are we looking for here in in 2024? Anything that you want to call attention to now that that needs some uh, some uh, some uh, PR? Well, hey, I'll tell you what, like, like I mentioned, you know, I've got a group actually just kind of a little southeast of there, maybe about, oh, you know, eight, ten miles, um, pretty affluent community called Shakopee, Minnesota. It's right on the border of the Mendawakanton Sioux um, um, tribe there. There's a, it's just a beautiful area down our, our river bluffs, and um, our, our same difference. We, we had negotiations, we had a couple mediation sessions, and uh, the employer called foul and they said you know what here they didn't give us the last best and final offer they said here you go here's an offer that you know it's not our, our last but it's our best which it's just the word smith type thing so we told them the to pound sand and our, our members uh i believe we have 22 members 23 members here uh unanimously uh, voted to go on strike now in minnesota we can't go on strike until we file our intent to strike mm-hmm. can't file our intent to strike until until the first working day after the new year and, and then there's a 10 day cooling off. But, uh, but that's, that's something that, uh, you know, has me kind of scratching my head a little bit because the state hasn't reached back out to us. Um, the, the administrator, which this is the first time I've seen an employer do this in the public sector. Um, they're, they're getting aggressive on social media against us, but you know what? Hey, all I gotta do, we just gotta roll up our sleeves. You know, we got scars on our knuckles for a reason. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go take the employer to task and we're going to come out with a great contract. Well, you are a feisty bunch. I, I, I will agree with that one. I love it. I love it. TeamstersLocal320.org is their website. TeamstersLocal320.org. Eric Skoog, thank you so much for joining us here. And uh, anything like that, call attention to us here at America's Workforce, and we'll do a shout-out, make sure they get all the support that they need and deserve, okay? I appreciate everything. Thank you, guys. Okay, Eric Skoog, President, Teamsters, Local 320. That'll be another edition of America's Workforce tomorrow. We're going to check in with the Ohio Federation of Teachers and the United Auto Workers. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.